Well, what do you make of our Scottish team's chances in Europe after today's Europa League draw? Is that Shane Duffy to Celtic move about to happen? Could Alfredo Morelos be Porto-bound? Is London Dykes about to be a star for Scotland? Those international matches coming up Friday, Monday. Hopefully we'll hear in the next couple of hours from James Forrest and Kieran Tierney as well on that very subject. This is the Go Radio Football Show and you're very much included in our plans we want to hear from you over the course of the next couple of hours we're going to be hearing from Chris Iwalumo making a big impression at the moment as a TV pundit we'll hear from the Scotland women's captain Rachel Corsi and remember Ramon Vega the former Celtic defender he won three trophies in six months which wasn't a bad haul on loan at uh, Celtic what is he up to these days we're going to find out in the course of the show Rob McLean Ali DeFoy Stephen Cragen is with us for a Tuesday and Ali what about those European draws get us up to speed with what's been happening Absolutely. So just a wee quick recap of the Europa League second round announcement ties. That was yesterday. So Lincoln Red Imps versus Rangers, uh, Coleraine versus Motherwell and Viking FC versus Aberdeen. And then if you look at the third round ties that have been announced for the Europa League, Progress or Willem Tway are going to be facing Rangers potentially, Riga or Trefiori for Celtic, Sporting Lisbon for Aberdeen or KF Lachi or Happel Beer Shiva for Motherwell. Beautiful pronunciations. <laughs> Thanks uh, for the coaching. Well, well done with that, uh, Stephen. The one that screams out, of course, is, is the prospect of Rangers. They'll be loving this, uh, seeing the name of Progress coming out of the hat uh, uh, as their opposite number potentially, uh, or Willem Tway. Well, I think Rangers would be hugely disappointed if they weren't facing Willem Tway or Progress. There's no doubt that uh, you know going to Lincoln Red Imps. I think they played on the surface last season. They played St Joseph's. Yes. I think it's the same national stadium and I'm, yeah. I'd imagine that's where they will play again. It's on the 4G, it's not very good. I think they won 4-0, I remember uh, watching the game. So there's no doubt Rangers will have enough quality to get through that tie. Willem Tway is probably the one where it's a difficult side so early in the competition, Rob, particularly away from home in a one-legged tie. Progress, you know, they've been there before. You know, Of course, Pedro Cachinha, they had the disappointment uh, they've since beat them last season as well under Steven Gerrard so um, Rangers will be thinking you know if we can get through these two ties one win away from being in the group stages where they got to last year and beyond has to be the minimal requirement Yep, absolutely so it is uh, uh, Rangers if they get through that match in uh, Gibraltar um, I actually did the commentary on that game uh, at the time Brendan Rodgers first game in charge it was an absolute nightmare for Celtic but of course they turned things around but I think that serves as a warning to everybody um, about the potential banana skin of, of that type of tie Coleraine against Motherwell Viking against Aberdeen those uh, emerged yesterday of course uh, so Celtic versus either Riga or Tre Fiori, um, and taking a wild stab at it uh, without knowing very much, um, that looks okay. It does. You know, it's a tie that certainly again will feel as if they have to get through in. After the disappointment of last Wednesday's defeat against Ferenc Varos, the least that the Celtic, you know, supporters, management, board will expect is the group stages and then to try and progress through that like they did last year as well. So um, it is a simple case of must win in European football. You know, we've spoke about it before that sometimes in a one-legged tie, it favours or certainly helps the underdog that little bit more. You know, they can give everything, they can be hard to play against. In a one-off game, you know, upsets can happen. 
but unfortunately for Celtic, they can't afford any more slip-ups. It's a case of must win, must get to the group stages, uh, and that tie certainly won't put any fear into them. Of course, there's always that little you know, tinge of, of doubt in the back of your mind if things don't go well, but they should have more than enough to win that tie. Aberdeen could land maybe the mm. toughest of all the ties we're, we're speaking about here potentially um, because if they get past Vikings Stavanger and, and Derek McInnes is, is certainly pointing out that, that that's, a, that's a toughie um, in its own right because of the stage they're at in their season but if, if they get through that then it's, then it's sporting uh, in Lisbon Yeah, well I think Derek said he felt as if Aberdeen got the hardest of the second round draws yesterday well, I don't think the third round is <laughs> no. much easier for him. You're right, Rob, You know, having to go to sporting. So I think all the focus, first and foremost, will be on Viking. I think it's on a 4G surface. I think they changed it in 2018, which is another obstacle you have to overcome. The fact that they're 16 or 17 games into the domestic season means they're right up to speed. Although what should help the Scottish clubs this year is the fact that our season has started earlier or our teams are further forward in, in uh, live games with regards to what they normally are in July so you know Derek's team I think are looking very good very impressive against Hibs at the weekend I think nullified Hibs at all opportunities looked a threat going forward um, I know you covered the game so uh, Derek will feel as if yes it's a tough game but he's got more than enough on his side to go and compete and to win in, in Viking and then the uh, look ahead to sporting. Yeah, I think my perceptions of what the season might hold for Aberdeen changed dramatically on Sunday because the level of their performance yeah. changed dramatically and, and maybe uh, maybe they can be thinking and hoping and, and making a, a target of the group stages in the Europa yeah. League, which would be amazing for them. But um, that, that sporting tie, if they get if they get past Viking, which we obviously uh, hope they do, then that sporting game is going to be a tough one, no doubt about it. Motherwell uh, will very much be concentrating on what lies in front of them first as well. Uh, but we do know now that uh, they will play Lachi or one of the well, they're quite a well-known Israeli team, Hapel Beersheva, possible opponents uh, in the third qualifying round. Indeed. Well, listen, I was at the game last Thursday night when Motherwell played Glen Torren. And for 15 minutes when it was 10, uh, sorry, it was 11 v 11, there was nothing really in the game. You know, Motherwell were finding it a little bit tough because their confidence was low. Glen Torren had a few chances. Cole Rayan actually finished above Glen Torren in the Irish League. Oren Kearney, of course, is the manager with the uh, Scottish connection with, I know Ali loves all that connection with St Mirren, so she's delighted <laughs> with that. So there's no doubt going to Coleraine, who have a very good home record. They won in Maribor, which Scottish clubs have, uh, you know, a that's, place that's an Scottish amazing result, stolen. isn't it? Generally was, Rob. Considering these guys are part-time, the Glen Torn team would be, I think they had 16 or 17 full-time players. Coleraine, all part-time. But physically strong. It's a small playing surface. The grass will be left long. It will be a really competitive game. Um, so Motherwell first of all have to try and see off that I'd be very disappointed if they didn't get through I just think with the full time status with the players they have confidence has to be lifted no doubt about it but it's certainly a tie that's winnable and then they have to look ahead to Lachi or Hapel Bersheva that's in the background first and foremost win the tie that's ahead of you and then look beyond so Motherwell fans, Aberdeen fans, Celtic fans, Rangers fans, let us know what you think of the draw and the prospects that lie ahead for your team in the European competition. We hope, of course, all four uh, will do well for the, the dreaded coefficient and uh, keep us uh, on the way up in those European rankings. Second round, second qualifying 
round draw yesterday and that's been updated with today's third round qualifying draw. What about the ways of getting in touch, Ali? Just remind us. Yeah, if you haven't already, give us a call on 0808 17 17 700 and if you're thinking, you know what, I don't fancy my voice on the radio, drop us a text 874 put go at the start of your message and then type whatever you fancy asking any of the team and remember there's plenty of guests on tonight if you want to get in the socials at Go Football Show. The Go Radio Football Show is uh, a month old. It's our month anniversary. I'm not sure what you do for your month anniversary. Um, but we seem to Party. have been... S- <laughs> exactly. Have a call in the caterpillar yeah, that, cake. That seems, that seems a reasonable <laughs> suggestion. Um, and we seem to have been talking for a month about Shane Duffy joining joining Celtic. Um, it, it does seem as if uh, medicals are happening and all that sort of stuff. And, and that is a move that uh, could go through any time now, Stephen. It seems it's only a matter of time. You know, it's we're almost sitting waiting for Celtic to announce it. You know, we have information that it is a done deal, but of course, until Celtic announce that, then, you know, it can't be one hundred percent. Although it's over the last couple of days, um, he's different to what Christopher Ayer brings to the side. He's different to what Christopher Julian brings to the side. He's more aggressive. I think he's more of a natural defender with regards old-fashioned if you want to call it he wants to defend his own 18-yard box he wants to put his head in the end of crosses coming into his box he's a threat in the opposition's box as well and some people have asked me is he an upgrade on Julian and Ayer and the only way that will be answered is after we watch him play you know different attributes to talk about but being an upgrade will depend on his performances he will have to answer those questions if he's coming in I think it's a one and a half million pound loan fee potentially with a, the option to buy after a year so does, he, is, that, does, is that another of these deals that, that is being dressed up as a loan just to avoid the immediate paying of a fee because of all that's all that's happening I mean we've we've seen deals like Ross McCrory loan to Aberdeen before it becomes a, a permanent arrangement mm-hmm. ju- just to just to get away from the fact that they'd have to pay a fee right now is, is that is that a similar well, similar thing with Shane Duffy it could be, but you would like to think Celtic have the money to go and pay three or four million pounds for a player if they wanted. You know, naturally, Robert, normally it wouldn't just be paid in a one-off fee. It would normally be paid off the length of the contract. If we send a three-year deal, it would be in instalments that go to, uh, on throughout. So I just wonder, is it a case of get him a loan for a year, get the deal over the line, and then see where he is? He's 28 years of age, so we gets to 29, 30. Value normally start to decrease ever so slightly. So I wonder, does Neil Lennon just want to get him in, see how he fits in the surroundings, how he plays in the Scottish game? I don't imagine it'll be a problem. Um, I, I would suspect that you know Christopher Julian and Christopher Ayer are probably more comfortable with the ball at their feet. You know, and when you play against teams in the Scottish Premiership, Celtic tend to dominate every game, bar the old firm games, able to be dominant in possession. So it'll be interesting to see how he adapts in uh, different situations. Celtic central defenders are normally asked to defend more 1v1 situations. It can be 1v1 at the back. Does that suit him? Does it not? So Neil will want to see how he fits into his setup first and foremost, maybe before they finalise a deal next summer. So that one-year loan just gives you the option of having a little look to suss it out. But, you know, he's a seasoned Irish international. He's played in the Premier League in England. So there'd be no reason why he can't come in and fit in at Celtic. Plus, he has said it's his dream move. So he has to come and hit the ground running. And he might have an influence on the players round about him as well because if that's the type of player he is, uh, Brighton, Republic of Ireland, international of course, uh, but if that's the if he's a defender who defends, then that might just rub off on the likes of Julian and Ayer, both experienced players in their own right, both like to play a bit at the back, but maybe, maybe what Duffy does will have an influence on those around him. Do you know what? There's nothing better than have a, having a central defender who wants to talk and communicate with people wants to organise, wants to pull people in, wants to put pe- uh, push people on. Frimpong's young, Greg Taylor's still young, I think Ayer's still a young man, Christopher Julian is, is you know still settling himself in with regards to communication and, uh, and want to take control. So having that figurehead, you can't just continually rely on Scott Brown pushing and, 
and pulling people all over the place. You need that figurehead who is going to be dominant in the game, who's going to want to dominate players around about them and make sure they're organised. And even looking at that goal last week against um, French Varos, how simple it was for one long ball over the top. Sometimes you get an experienced defender in beside El Hamid, for example, who you know, speaks better English. You can organise people a little bit better. You know, just making sure the gaps are filled and people are switched on. Sometimes younger players can start watching the game and take their eye off what's happening around about them. So Shane Duffy certainly looks at that leader type, which Neil Lennon would want in the side. Also gives him the flexibility of playing a back three. You know, playing the two uh, Christophers outside of Shane Duffy being in the middle one, particularly away from home in Scottish games where there could be direct balls through into the box. You know, we've watched Ayer and Julian potentially struggling against Kabamba of Kilmarnock last year against Lyndon Dykes. Physical contact he don't like. Shane Duffy wants physical contact. He loves that competitive edge of the game. So he brings that a little bit more for me. How was the goalkeeper um, for you in that European game? I, I saw some Celtic fans suggesting that uh, if Fraser Forster had still been around, um, Celtic might still have yeah. been in, in the Champions League qualifiers. This was always going to be the fear that whenever Celtic didn't sign Fraser Forster, whoever the goalkeeper was that came in, whether it was Scott Bain or Barkas, they were always going to be compared to Fraser Forster. It was always going to be, if Forster was here, this would have happened, that would have happened. And I don't think people truly appreciate how important he was for Celtic when you even look at the League Cup final last year the Betfred Cup final at Hamden Park when Rangers played very well in the wall as he's known at Celtic he was absolutely terrific time and time again he maybe pulled off one or two saves every three or four games but there were vital saves at vital moments in games and I would probably agree especially that first goal that went in I think Fraser Forster may have got his hand that you know just his presence that little bit taller bigger reach but he's not there anymore, Rob. They have to deal with that. They've spent money on a goalkeeper. They have to back their goalkeeper. There's no point in saying, well, if he was here, that's the past. You've got to focus on now. You've got to focus on this moment and they have to try and move forward. And, you know, that will continue to get brought up. 08, 08, 17, 17, 700. Give us a call. Get involved in the Go Radio Football Show. Text Go and your message to 87474 on the socials at Go Football Show. Alfredo Morelos, um, we might be... Uh, Continuing to have that question mark hovering over his name uh, for the next three months, to be honest, as the <laughs> as the transfer window goes on and on and on, and uh, the the teams being linked with him, I guess, go on and on as well. Lille, um, there was a lot of talk about a move to to French football for uh, Rangers' top scorer over the last couple of seasons. Porto now getting mentioned, who, who know all about him, of course, having faced up to Rangers uh, in European football in recent times. Um, do you see that? Uh, Coming to an end, we saw we saw him sitting in the stand, um, not looking too happy with himself uh, as Rangers won at, at the weekend. So he's not involved. He's not any sharper. Who knows if he's any fitter? And who knows as well what's happening to that to the price on his head? Not Rangers asking price. They'll know what they want. Uh, they'll know at what point, Stephen, they can sell him. Um, but what price he's going to attract? I think for the first time and probably in Steven Gerrard's managerial career of Alfredo Morelos, the power lay with Steven Gerrard last week. The fact that Morelos hadn't trained well, apparently he left him out of the Kilmarnock game at home. He then said prior to Hamilton at the weekend, he said he's trained very well, he's back in the squad. Now that made me feel as if Steven Gerrard was in control of that situation. Prior to that, I think he's always needed... Alfredo Morelos, he hasn't really had the cover. He said Jermaine Defoe to play, but you know, getting older, he wasn't going to play 10, 12 games in a row. So irrespective of what Alfredo Morelos done or how he conducted himself, he was always going to be the first choice. Bringing, bringing in Kamar Roof and Cedric Eaton certainly has changed the dynamic for me. And at the weekend, when he could easily have put Alfredo Morelos on late in the game, the fact that he brought on Greg Stewart with a minute to go, 
almost for me sent a message to Alfredo Morelos from Steven Gerrard I'm in control of the situation I'm the manager I make the calls so you're going to have to get up to my standards live under my rules to play for my team however what you're right the flip side is if he's not playing People can't come and watch him. They're not going to sign him on what he'd done 18 months ago or a year ago. They want to sign a player on what they're doing right now. So Rangers then have to protect their investments. So Stephen Gerrard going from thinking he's in control to him, he's thinking, do you know what? I'm going to need to put him in my team. He's going to have to play at some stage for someone to come and watch. The value might not be met otherwise. So he's in a really difficult situation. But again, these two weeks when he's no international football to go to, if he shows the right attitude, if he shows the right mentality that Stephen Gerrard wants, Hungry to play for the Rangers jersey. I don't see any reason why I wouldn't put him back in. But it will have to be done in Stephen Gerrard's terms. As Stephen says, it's International Week. What are you thinking about what Lyndon Dykes has been saying? He sounds like a confident guy who's hoping to get his uh, big chance having decided he wants to play for Scotland. Now he wants to be in that starting lineup against Israel on Friday night. Scotland gave me the chance for my career. Obviously, I've, I've only played professional about four or five years now. But without Scotland, I mean... God knows where I would have been. So, obviously, I wanted to give something back. He says he he wants to be one of the, the Scotland greats. Mm. It's, it's actually great to hear somebody with, with ambition and just voicing it. I think he was very honest in what he said. You know, he said, my family are from Scotland. My parents were born in Scotland. He's got a baby boy who was born in Scotland. And Scottish football has given him the chance to go and get that opportunity in professional football. So, he wants to lay his roots down. He feels like this is home. He wants to play here. And I said, that's absolutely fine. But what we have to remember is, he's only 24 years of age. He's new to international football. It may take him a little while to settle. So, as much as everyone's getting excited about Lyndon Dykes playing for Scotland, he still has his point to prove, which is fine. He seems that uh, strong mentality of a player who wants to do well and, and, and wants to rise to the challenge. But he's going to have to be given time to settle in. Steve Clark, I think, is naturally pleased because he said today he's a team player. He's got great work ethic, great determination about him. And when you play, you know, we spoke last week about that lone striker. You have to have those attributes. You've got to be selfless. You've got to chase things down. You've got to work for your team. He brings all those attributes. So give him time to settle in. I hope people don't judge him too quickly after one game. But certainly he's making all the right noises. Um, he's got all the attributes that they need. It's now a case of putting that together and delivering in a dark blue jersey. It's 5.21. Let's be hearing from you. What do you want to talk about on the football front? The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. Ali Defoy, Rob McLean, Stephen Cragen in the studio tonight. It's the football show that just flies by. It's flying by already tonight for a Tuesday, 5 till 7, Monday to Friday. Uh, Barry Ferguson, Cy Ferry were with us last night. Barry's back for the midweek show tomorrow. Uh, Scotland and uh, Glasgow City midfielder Leanne Crichton is with us Thursday. And uh, Cy Ferry will be back with us again on the show. Paul Cooney too on Friday. 0808 17 17 700. What are the other ways, Ali, of getting in touch? You can jump on our text 87474. And if you put go at the start of the message, you can drop us a message that way or you can drop us on the socials. It's at go football show now I think someone who's just called that number in fact I'm fibbing we have called him <laughs> it is Chris Ewilumo Chris how are you doing? Yeah very good good evening Ali uh, Steve and Rob how you all? Hi Chris we're all good Chris we're good so uh, a massive thank you to you especially today because it's your daughter's birthday did you have a nice socially distanced meal today? Yes we did thank you very much Ali yeah just it's, it's hectic you know as I say she's been spoiled but they're, they're not, she's never happy she's never happy so it's Makes it hard for me, but it's all good. It's all good. I'm happy. Oh, really? Is she a teenager? 
<laughs> 14, 14, ah. <laughs> 14 going on 24. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Chris, we were just talking, of course, about Scotland fixtures um, being announced um, or Scotland's coming up. Um, many games you've, of course, played and been capped for Scotland. Can you describe what you felt the first time that you received that call? Yeah, well, you know what? I think it's, I, I guess, how I was doing for my, my club, Wolverhampton, at the time that opened that door for me internationally. But, you know, there's there's no greater honour. You know, I was I was out on the, the golf course actually a, a team team building day, uh, and Nick McCarthy gave me the call uh, and and told me that I I was in the squad and and you know what you know I'm like you know me Ali you know I'm I'm Scottish I'm born and bred and and, and proud to be uh, uh, and it was it was a fantastic honour and like you say when you when you walk out at Hamden and you you hear the the national anthem getting played you know there's there, there's no feeling better in football you know it's honestly it's the goosebumps came through, so I've always thought it's, it is a fantastic honour. It was a pri- privilege that I that I got to put the the, the, the blue shirt on, you know. So it was uh, no, it can't be replicated. Any footballer wants to play at the highest level; they want to represent their country, uh, and I was lucky to do both. Just before the break, there, Chris, we were hearing from Lyndon Dykes, who sounds very excited about the prospect of doing what you did and uh, winning his first cap as a as a Scotland striker. He sounds very ambitious and very positive as well, doesn't he? About about what he can do. Have you seen enough of him so far, Lyndon Dykes, to know what uh, what potential he has? Well, he's got potential, isn't he? He's a, he is a good player. For me, he ticks all boxes. You know, I think uh, you know he's a he's a great outlet. He's the physicality. You know, he he scores goals. Uh, and like you say, the potential's there, and hopefully, you know, you look at the likes of Ollie McBurney and, and Lee Griffiths. You know, all these played nine nine caps, no goals. I think Lee Griffiths took twelve games to get his first goal. Uh, but it's just one of them. Lyndon Dykes, if you give him the right service on the, on 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 that day, he could be unplayable. So just fingers crossed that he hits the ground running. It's obvious where where his heart lays, and uh, and and hopefully, like I say, if he's if he gets given the right services, he's, he's he can be very very dangerous uh, on the day. It's a it's a problem position for us. Obviously, yeah. I mean, uh, there's no Lee Griffiths at the moment. Uh, Ollie McBurney's just pulled out of the squad. Lauren Shankland as well. We could we could certainly do without that. Callum Patterson um, called in. Um, we were speaking uh, last night about uh, the the striking option. Stephen Fletcher, are you are you surprised that that, that he isn't in the mix? Yeah, I'm. You know, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Fletch. Uh, but like you say, it is a, it is a position that that we do struggle with. You know, the the, the quality of Ollie McBurney. You know what he's doing at Sheffield United. He's he's tearing up trees there, scoring goals. You know, we know what Lauren Shankland's about. You know, probably untested in the in the SPFL, but you know that he's got goals with the right service. Uh, you know, and it's one of them. Callum Parson coming in. You know, for me, I'm a big fan. You know, to to come from fullback and then get playing up top in the championship, which is probably one of the most physical leagues in the world, and and do what he does uh, as an outlet, scores goals, brings other players into play. You know, so there is quality there, but I just, I just with with the chance, just to, everyone just to be fit to come and give Steve Clark that headache of thinking, you know what, who can I pick? Because there is quality and depth there when when there is a full squad to pick from, but. Too often than not, we've got players pulling out and, and that's disappointing to see, but it's part and parcel of football. Chris, the bigger picture is you're saying the squad strength and depth, and I couldn't agree more. 23 years it'll be next summer since Scotland were last at a major tournament. Oh, and, don't worry, I've been no, counting the weeks and months. There, you know, <laughs> yeah. Effectively, there are two wins from getting there. And when you look at that squad, you think there is more than enough in that squad to win two games to get back. 
I always think in club football it's great success, but you know, getting success for your country, going to a major tournament, people talk about it for a long, long time. This squad has the capability of that. No, they do. They do. And like you say, you go down you go down in the history books, it's been so long. You know, there's been squads that have been good enough to get there and we've, we've, we've fallen short. Uh, and you look at it, you know, and, and the disappointing thing about that, I think with the, the Nations League, it was a, it was like a back door in and it should give it should have gave us the, the freedom to go on and in that group stage to go out and relax and express ourselves and play the football that we know that we can. For whatever reason, we never we never started well at all in, in those first two games, you know, and it was all of a sudden your 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 flat uphill that uphill battle. But you know, like you say, it's it's, it's it's in our hands. There's two games to go out there and and qualify for a for a major tournament. That in itself should be uh, enough to motivate the group of players individually and collectively to actually go and, and reach those levels for Steve Clark and the country to get us to get us where where I feel that we belong. You know, because like you say, there is there's quality there. You know, there's you know there's a lot of these players like you say down playing in the in the English Premier League doing it. We can week out in the SBFL as well, so you know, and the championship. So you know, these are all good levels of football. So we need to take that into international, and we, it, it was something that we always used against all these other countries in the world. We had like a, a club mentality when we went away with the, the national scheme, uh, the national team. But a lot of a lot of countries are jumping on board there now. These, like you look at England, they enjoy being away with each other as the Scotland group do. So we can't use that as to an advantage anymore. But the quality is there. We've just got to be brave enough to get the ball down, take on board the way that we know what our strengths are and play to those strengths. You know, Steve Clark, very meticulous in everything that he does. I think he breaks down football very simply, simplifies it for the players. But you know what? When I when I used to come away, no matter what, if it was in the Premier League with Wolves or when I got into the Scotland squad as well when I was with Charlton in, in Burnley, you come to the, the, the international scene and the levels of the players around you it is, it, it, you have to you have to come up another couple of levels because of the quality that's around you and that group. And I'm telling you, this group of players, it's no different. You're just listing a few of your clubs there. Uh, you were around a few in your <laughs> yeah, time. Too many, too many, yeah. Obviously, St Mirren was your favourite. <laughs> I was all downhill from all down uh, all downhill from Paisley, as, as most things tend as most things tend to be. Um, what, what was it? What was the the favourite bit of your club career? Would you say? You know what I I went to from St Mirren. I went over to the Danish Super League, and I think that that kind of opened up everything else for me. It made it possible for me to to move clubs, to go to England, to you know. And and I wasn't a journeyman pro. I I wanted to play football. If I wasn't playing football, you'd go and have that chat with the manager and say, look, what can I do to play more? And then all of a sudden, if you're not do, if you're doing that and it's still not tra- happening, then then you move on. You know, my my career probably kicked kicked off. Uh, from Charlton, you know, when Charlton got relegated from the Premier League and I went from Colchester. Colchester was a great club. That's where it all kind of started again for me. I was playing regularly, scoring goals. I went to Charlton, top scorer. I think uh, when I went to Wolves, they probably got the best out of me. You know, Stoke City was the one that brought me to, to English football and I've, I've got a lot of affiliations with both Stoke City and, uh, and Wolverhampton Wanderers now. But I'd probably say that Wolverhampton Wanderers got the best out of me. I think, it, well, I know my, the record was 15 goals in, in my first 12 games for, for Wolverhampton Wanderers in the, in the Championship. And that's what that's what opened the door uh, and made George Burley. The man who let me go at, at 14 years old at Air United gave me my Scotland cap. Crazy, yeah? Yeah. That, that's what's called full circle, isn't it? Um, how, uh, mu- how much do you hate, Chris, when people bring up that the Scotland miss? Not at all. Not at all. You know, it's, it's part and parcel. You know, it's like I'm... 
it's it was uh it was a fantastic honour. It was probably one of the, the highest moments and lowest moments in my career all came at once. You know, because I, I, I played I played very well when I came on and even after that that miss, the rest of the half, I, I, the touches, I was winning my headers, I was linking up well and it's just it wasn't to be. You know, in the form that I was in for Wolverhampton Wanderers, I could have probably closed it with my eyes closed. And I'm, I yeah. watch it over and over again. Well, I did straight afterwards and I just don't understand why I took such a big stride when the ball got fired across. So I'm just trying to kind of fix my feet and it's come off my come off the heel. And it could have went anywhere. It'd be nice if it went into the bottom corner, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't to be. If it had been Stephen Craig and facing his own goal, that yeah. would have been in. Absolutely, Rob. No <laughs> doubt about it. I just think it's interesting listening to Chris speaking about the passion of playing for Scotland. And I was similar to playing for Northern Ireland. You know, when you get the opportunity to represent your country and the family are there, I can still see it. You're getting the opportunity to play against players you never thought you'd play against. Playing with players you never thought you'd get the opportunity to play with. It was the pinnacle, and I think it is the pinnacle for players. And I, I still hope that is the case for you know, young players coming through, you know, wanting to aspire to go and represent their country and have that emotion, have that feeling. Club football is great, but getting the chance to represent your nation, you know, live in the TV in front of full stadium, as Chris spoke about the anthem going, there is no better feeling. I just hope that continues throughout the next generation. Yeah, and I, can, I think I can hear that in your voice as well, Chris. It must have been really emotional for you and your and your family that that big moment of pulling on the the Scotland blue for the first time. No, it was. You know, I had I had I think I had about thirty friends from school, school teachers, all sorts. You know, neighbours from the my mum's little cul-de-sac in in Comores, You know. And obviously all the family there as well. All looking so for tickets. It was, it was all yeah. It was one of them. And to be fair, it was one of those. You know, you you speak to the 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 the, the press officer at uh, at Scotland, and everything's sorted. You don't have to think about anything. You know, everything's getting done for you. You're you're, you're getting looked after. You're in that football bubble, as they say. Uh, but it was a fantastic honour. And obviously after that, what happened against Norway? I, I started against Argentina. Diego Maradona's first game in charge at, at Hamden, and that's when a tear did come to my. Uh, when you're when the national anthem's on, you know, and it's just one of them. You just have to get yourself together and think, you know what, and go out and do what you need to do. But uh, you know, it's it's, it's a fantastic honour, and that's what all players are, are striving. Of course, you, for your club, you have to be doing well for your club to get that recognition internationally. And, but when the chance comes, uh, just, take, just take that chance with both hands. And like you say, you look at the you look at the group of players that we've got. You know, the the balance and uh, age. You know, and it's you know those experienced players in there that that will go and lead and and be leaders. But you know, with the international group, it's probably you're looking at all of them bringing something to the table leader-wise. You know, and that's that's what it is. You know, and it's uh, just hopefully we can just start. You know, I'm, I'm covering the games. I'm covering the games. Uh, I'm doing them all. Uh, for all different uh, outlets, so it's going to be an interesting one. We're seeing plenty of you on the on the TV at the moment in Scotland on sport on sports scene. How are you enjoying that punditry? Yeah, brilliant. No, really enjoying it. You know, great production, uh, and and just delighted that uh, that I've, I've been I've been invited to come up and and do a little bit. You know, you have a you have a you have certain opinions. You know, obviously I played most of my, my career down in down in, in England, probably the Championship, where anyone can beat anyone on 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 their day. Uh, and even when I played my time at St Johnson, I found that quite hard. You know, because when 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 I was at St Johnson and you're training with the players, you're looking around and you're thinking you could be you could be at Wolves in the Premier League, you could be at, you, the, you know what I mean, the, the quality of players, but then all of a sudden, it's not quite the same feel on, on match day. And I just think, I think when, when the players, you hear Jack Ross at Hibs saying that they want to try and bridge that gap and break into that. So, and that's, that should be the, the dream of all these, these teams. And I know it might be unrealistic 
but the likes of Hibs and, and Aberdeen, you know, we are consistent season and winning mentality and just, you know, it's not just about playing against Celtic and Rangers. And I might, I might get laughed at for saying that, but that's got to be the ambition for all these clubs. You know, it, it's not just who can finish third. It's, it should be, it should be more than that. And you know, set the bar that high and see how close you can get to it. And yeah, of course, you'll fall short with the with the money that and the riches that these two clubs have got and the quality and depth. But you know, it's it must and it, it's it's so refreshing hearing Jack Ross say that. You know, that's that's the ambition. That's that's what he sets out to his players and. They've recruited well. You no, know, Denny McInnes has recruited well at Aberdeen, and I know it's a long way away, you know, and it's 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 near enough an impossible task, but nothing's impossible, Rob. Chris, do you think it's fair then, um, with Tony Fitzpatrick saying St Mirren should be aiming for the top six? Would you be like, yeah, oh, absolutely? Tony. Tony, Tony was my manager at St Mirren. You know, the I, I love Tony to bits. You know, and it's he, he just. He loves his club. You know, you look at Jim Goodwin, you look at the, the way that he's that he's recruited. I think he's recruited fantastically well. I think they're missing that that that, that point, man, that goal getter up top. You know, I think against St Johnson at the weekend, I've got to say, and I think Jim came out and said afterwards they were second best. Mm. You know, they could have been uh, St Johnson could have been out of sight at half time there, five, six, seven nil. You know, but Jim he's he has he's I done my I done my badges, my A license with Jim and uh, he's he has a he has a fantastically well the way that he comes across, you know, his man management is, is, is excellent. You know, when he sits in front of a group of players and talks football, it's infectious. You know, you, you absorb what he's saying to you because of the way that he delivers it. Uh, it's not impossible, Ali, but he's got, to put, he's, he's got to put that belief into the players. And Jim's a very confident, proud man, you know, and I think when he stands in front, you've got to set the bar high. You've got to set the bar. You can't just say, you know what, let's just get to here because... It just allows the players to take the foot off the pedal, and I don't feel as a as as a manager you can do that. You've got to make sure that everyone's reaching those levels week in, week out, game in, game out, whatever it is. And I just feel that when when you come north of the border, it's a little bit more relaxed. That yeah, Celtic and Rangers, Celtic and Rangers, and you know what? I'm, I'm a Celtic man. I followed Celtic all over the country. You know, it was one of those things, and it's but it's just it's what it's, it's, it's I just find that. Difficult when I, when my mindset when you think you know what when you look at the championship and you a, a Luton who's bottom of the league can beat Leeds United who's top of the league because on that day they just they a lot of bit of luck but the performance and the levels they reach they can do it and more often than not it doesn't really happen the same north of the border but it does you look at you look at uh, Hamilton at Ibrox and I think it was in February wasn't it 2020 they they, they beat Rangers so it's not impossible but it just has to be more more consistent. It's 11 men, 11 men against 11 at the end of the day. Loving your enthusiasm, Chris. Good to hear from you as well. Hopefully we'll talk again uh, on the Go Radio Football Show. All the best to you. Pleasure as always. Thank Good you, luck, guys. Man. Cheers, Chris. That's Chris Ewolumo on the Go Radio Football Show. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. That's Ali Defoy. This is Rob McLean and Stephen Cragen here as well for a Tuesday on the Go Radio Football Show. Great to hear from Chris Ewolumo. Uh, before that uh, promo, he could sell me anything, Crags. How good was he? He could. <laughs> Do you know what? There's nothing better than having a bit of passion about your career and about football and what you're working at the minute. Sometimes we... You'll become too relaxed and we think, well, it's just part of the job, but it's not. I think having that enthusiasm is vital. I was hesitating about asking him about that miss against Norway because he's a big guy and I might just <laughs> bump into him one of these days, literally. I hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the last you see of me. Let's hear from Thomas. He has uh, dialed 0808 17 17 700. You can too on the Go Radio Football Show. Thomas from Nitz Hill. Hi, how are you doing? 
Hey guys, how you doing? Good, Thomas. Good. What would you like to say? I'm just calling up to talk about Shane Duffin signing for Celtic. Mm. Yep. What do you think? I would just like to. I think it's a brilliant signing. I um, just like to think what you would like to think about it. Like to know, sorry. What uh, What makes you think it's going to be a brilliant sign? And what do you look at when you see Shane Duffy compared to what isn't there at the minute at Celtic, Thomas? I mean, I feel like man, isn't he? So he knows what it's like, hopefully, to play for Celtic. So I think he'll do well. And I think it can only be a positive thing for Scottish football where he's not back with Sam to come up here. So, aye, it's brilliant. I think that's the big pull, you know, when people grow up supporting the club and they get that opportunity to go and represent that club, they bring the passion, they bring the drive. You know, being from, from Northern Ireland or being from Ireland, he knows all about Celtic, you know, they're a huge club over there. So I think having that affiliation certainly buys him in initially with supporters and the, the passion towards it. But still, Thomas, he has to go out and deliver the goods as well, doesn't he? Oh, definitely. But it's big pressure on him, but I think he's going to date. Um, Give me a bit of pressure on the and I don't know. Give me a bit of strength and I put it back. So, I'll you. Were you a bit worried, Thomas, when you saw what uh, Nicky Kabamba did to the Celtic central defenders at Rugby Park? Uh, did, did that confirm in your mind that you needed something else, maybe somebody a bit tougher? Aye, uh, definitely. Um, Julian, going forward in the opposition box, he's, he's strong as anything, but I don't know. Why he seems to be a wee bit weaker in his own box, and maybe something we can work on. But I'm looking forward to seeing him eye on Julian and a three, so I'm excited. Is that your preferred? Do you think it's better to play as a three, Thomas, or would you rather him uh, see play as a four? Uh, um, definitely as a three, I. I think I think a lot of Celtic fans hark back to, to that period uh, late on last season yeah. before before it all came to a grinding halt, of course, uh, when, when Neil Lennon switched to, to a three with with Griffiths and, and Edouard up yeah. front. That seemed to be a nice, there seemed to be a nice balance about the side. Well, that's what made it work for me, was the two centre forwards. You know, you can put players in other positions, but they seem to have an understanding Griffiths and Edward you know their movement I think Griffiths likes to play in the shoulder he's the one that likes to stretch the game in behind and Edward wants to be the one that comes into the little pockets of space to pick up the ball to try and be more creative I think sometimes when Edward plays up on his own and he comes off and links up but leaves that hole Ryan Christie would fill it or James Forrest or Elianusi at times would, would fill it they're not natural centre forwards so I think whenever Edward did come off um, Griffiths still had that threat in behind so it's amazing sometimes you try something and it works Neil Lennon tried it and it worked so bringing in that third central defender Thomas says he prefers the three I think having that three allows James Forrester Frimpong to play in the right it allows maybe Greg Taylor or Elianusi especially in Scotland Rob you can play two two wingers effectively as, as wing backs sometimes when you go away from home you might have to go El Hamid you might have to go, uh, go Greg Taylor in Europe and be solid and, and, and be hard to play against but certainly in Scotland your two wing backs can be out and out wingers but can really drive you up the pitch Yeah James Forrest plays that position really well and he might be playing there for Scotland on uh, Friday night as well Meantime of course Thomas uh, no Edouard no Griffiths and uh, no recognised striker in the, the starting lineup for the last couple of games were you, were you surprised that Neil Lennon having done it in Europe did it again um, at home to Motherwell at the weekend? I was surprised on Wednesday night, but I was even more surprised when I seen it at the weekend. But they got the job done, so it's all about down the road this year, even though the day what to do well in Europe, but it's still early in the season, so there's still a lot to look forward to. There was a lot of anger being directed towards Neil Lennon on the back of the European result. Do, do you have faith in him? Is he is he the man for you oh, to I, get the 10 done? Back Neil Lennon, 110%. Neil Lennon's the man to get the 10 for Celtic and many more after that. 
Good man, Thomas. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Good to hear from you. That was Thomas from Nets Hill on the Go Radio Football Show. Um, Next, we're going to be speaking to Drew, who's a Dundee fan, I think. Drew, hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thanks. What would you like to say? Uh, It was just about Charlie Adams to say, do you think he's a good sign-in or do you think he's passed it? Oh. No, listen, Charlie's a good football player. There's no doubt about it. And if you're talking about Charlie can still play in the Scottish Premiership for me, never mind playing in, in the Scottish Championship. So if... Is it a Dundee? Is it a done deal, or is it? I don't. Is it a potential? I don't think it's a done deal, but certainly I know there's an a, an emotional attachment, Charlie, as a Dundee fans always back to club, certainly on social media. So if he gets the opportunity, or if he wants to go back and play for Dundee, Charlie would be a terrific signing. I mean, him and Graham Dorans in midfield, they may not have the the physical attributes to get about the pitch what they used to have, but certainly in possession of the ball and how James would want to play, you'd like to think they would make Dundee. Certainly, Charlie would make Dundee a much stronger team than what they currently are at the minute. So, if uh, if if Charlie can get the Dundee, then I think it's a great deal. What do you think, Drew? I uh, know I totally agree. I've just seen a lot of negative comments due to his fitness and that, obviously. Well, I, I mean, I've seen I, I've seen some pictures of him working out during yeah. lockdown. Um, I mean, he, to me, to me, to yeah, he was on, he was on, he was on, he was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and and to me, he looks he looks leaner and fitter than I've ever seen him before. To yeah. be honest, at the moment, I think sometimes. When people go out of sight, they kind of go out of mind and, and they make their opinions based on other people's opinions and suddenly rumours can travel and, and people want to have queries. Allow him to come up and play and show what he can do. He played in the English Championship last year for Reading. So if you can play in the English Championship and but you can't come and play in the Scottish Championship, then there's something seriously wrong. So there's no doubt about Charlie Adam is a top player, has been a top player. And I think if he came to the Championship for Dundee, he would show that again. But ultimately, you know, the only way you can shut people up is by coming and performing. And there's no doubt Charlie would do that. So how close to happening do you think, Drew, that is Charlie Adam for Dundee? I've heard that uh, they're just talking about wages now, but right. I can't see it being a problem if he's a big Dundee fan, to be honest. And and yeah, I mean, I I agree with Craig. I mean, he would be operating way below his le- his level, the level he can perform at. So so he could be massive uh, f- for Dundee in the championship. I think it's really good, yeah. And and obviously it's going to be tough. I mean, do you see it as Dundee versus Hearts for the for the automatic promotion? I'd like to think so, yeah. But you think you've got a you you're getting a good squad together. You've got Dave Mackay now as your, as number two, haven't you, to James McPake? Yeah, I think we've got it in us to go and challenge Hearts. And how frustrating is it, uh, Drew, to be without football? Not not that you could go to the games anyway at the moment, but uh, the championship isn't even underway yet. How difficult has that been to deal with? Oh, it's really tough. I can't wait to get back in that dairy. <laughs> back in the dairy, which is, for those who don't know, that's where the passionate Dundee fans go and they sing and scream and shout for their team. So, yeah, that's one. But it's funny, even like, uh, I know Alex Yakubiak, who was on loan at St. Mirren last season, Ali, has signed for Dundee as well. So I think he's going to be a terrific sign. And losing Kane Hemmings takes away the goal threat sometimes. But I think Alex Yakubiak, with the physical attributes he's got, with the, you know, can score goals, can play wide. He will certainly carry a big threat, and with it we being didn't a short... want to lose him. Exactly. he's. We thought he was great. Yeah, and I think with the Scottish Championship being a shortened season, Rob, as much as Hearts are the favourites, any kind of slip up, any kind of loss of form, there's not as much time to recover. So Dundee will want to hit the ground running. James McPakes had his first season uh, as a manager. He will have learned an awful lot about himself and about his team and how he wants to play. And it'll be interesting to see if he can put that on these players and have a big promotion push. 
And you only have to listen to Charlie Adam for a short time to realise how much he knows about the game and how much he loves the game. He's passionate about it. And, and whoever uh, is lucky enough to have his services, and, and let's hope it is Dundee, that would be fantastic for the profile of Scottish football uh, if Charlie is coming back up here. Uh, and for Just you, sent him a message, so we'll see if he replies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we and might find you, out live on the show. Exactly. And for you, for you, Drew, it would just be really exciting. I mean, that would be just a massive signing uh, ahead of the new yeah. season. Yeah. That'd be a really good signing, especially being a Dundee fan as well. Eh? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That's that's exactly what you want to be hearing. Um, Drew, thanks for your call. Thank you very much. That's Cheers, Drew. Drew. Drew on the Go Radio Football Show. Seven minutes to six. It is, and uh, before that, we were speaking to Thomas, and and I was asking Thomas, and I want to ask you now, Crags, about uh, the the Celtic mm. team selection issues, which we were speaking about plenty uh, last night with Barry Ferguson and Cy Ferry on the show. I'm I'm keen to know what you think about it as well. The fact that Neil Lennon uh, picked the same starting eleven against Motherwell as he did against Ferenc Varos, um, no recognised striker in the lineup. Yes, they got the job done quite emphatically in the end by three goals to nil after a, after a sticky spell in the game. But what what was was that what was that all about? Say, naming the team the same team again was it a case of there you go you let yourselves down in Europe get it sorted today yeah. or or was it was it a message to above at Celtic saying with with Edouard and Griffiths out injured here's all I've got and I don't have a a fit enough striker to put in the team. Well, I wouldn't like to think it's for above. You know, from Wednesday night till Sunday. Certainly the two strikers he spoke about on Wednesday night, Ayeti and uh, Klamala not being match fit. They hadn't played an awful lot of football from the Wednesday to the Sunday. So if you're not fit on the Wednesday match fit, you're not going to be match fit on the Sunday. So for his own uh, preservation, he's went with the same side. First of all, probably to give those players a chance to replicate what went wrong on, on, on Wednesday night. But also just to back up his own claim that his two strikers weren't match fit. Because if he suddenly puts one of them in and you think, well, he wasn't fit on Wednesday. You haven't had a full game since then, so how can they suddenly miraculously be fit for the Sunday? Um, so that's what he's done on that basis. But there's no doubt that as a manager, you make a call. Uh, and if you take a risk in that call, which he did by playing Ryan Christie as a centre-forward, and it doesn't go well, you have to face the music. That is the end of management. That's how it works, and that's how it will always work. So it's his team, it's his call. It will always rumble on. People will always disagree. Uh, did Celtic play well enough in the night to win the game? Yes. Were they far better than Ferenc Varos? Yes, they were. And they had enough chances and they should have won the game, but they didn't. So ultimately, it boils down to people thinking that Neil Lennon didn't start with the centre-forward. But what I would look at is, without bringing up the volleyball and goalie situation again, Celtic lost two games because of the, the game being stopped because of his actions. Has that played a part in potentially those two strikers or certainly Kalamala who was there? Did that stop him getting one of those full games to get him up to speed for the European game? So I think, you know, there's, there's so many more things than Neil Lennon just selecting Ryan Christie. Other things that stopped Celtic playing could have played a, some sort of part in his strikers not being fit enough. Ayeti hasn't played, I think, an awful lot of football in the last year since joining West Ham. So yeah, clearly, but he's come off the bench twice and scored twice. So is, is yeah. he, does that not signify he's ready? Well, I don't watch him in training every day. I, you know, I coming on off the bench for twenty minutes. Yes, when the opposition is tired and there's more space to play, and you think, yeah, okay, that's fine. He, you know, he's good in tight areas. He can score goals. Is he enough to go and threaten? What Neil Lennon did was he picked his best eleven players. That's what he he looked at his squad and thought they're my best eleven players. How can I get them into a system? How can I get them into a team? That's not always the best way to go about it. But Olivier and Cham and Ryan Christie, he thought needed to play because they were fit, they were sharp, they've been doing well. And rather than taking a risk with a striker who maybe wasn't 
then um, but ultimately then Rob as I say it goes back to Neil if he makes that decision that doesn't go well Neil has to face the music he has to face the rap he has to face the criticism but he's big enough old enough strong enough he's been there and done it before but I think that will be their biggest regret so far as they had a chance of getting through against Ferenc Varos and they should have We've heard already in the show from Chris Ewalumo and if you were listening you'll know how good he was. Uh, coming up we're going to be hearing from the Scotland women's captain uh, Rachel Corsi who's just signed on loan for the Birmingham women's team. We're also going to be speaking to uh, Ramon Vega the former Celtic defender who won three trophies in six months. That wasn't bad going at all. If you've got questions, if you've got opinions let us know 0808 17 17 700 The Bull Radio Football Show Let's go Two hours of chat on a daily basis on Glasgow's own Go Radio. Last night, Barry Ferguson and Cy Ferry in the studio. It was chaos at times, it would have to be said. <laughs> uh, Stephen Craigan with Ali Defoe and Rob McLean tonight. Barry's back. Uh, Barry Ferguson tomorrow night. Uh, Leanne Crichton is with us in the studio Thursday. And then it's Cy Ferry and Paul Cooney making up the team uh, for the Friday show. 0808 17 17 700 if you want to be part of it. Certainly part of it right now at just about four minutes past six on a Tuesday is the Scotland women's captain, Rachel Corsi. Hi, Rachel. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. From Aberdeen, but uh, you are with Utah and you've just signed on loan for Birmingham. So where do we find you at uh, four minutes past six on a Tuesday? Hi, I'm just trying to move into my new flat. <laughs> which so, which is where? In Birmingham. In Birmingham, <laughs> right. So tell tell us about that move, Rachel. How it, how it all came around. It, it's and it's a loan, isn't it? It's a loan. Yeah. Um, obviously, the season in the in the US normally runs through the summer, so normally we'd be playing March until um, early November. But um, they switched around the season, made it into a mini tournament. So we actually just played a condensed, almost like mini club cup. Um, through the end of June, July um, and then that basically made the season which was great to obviously play given the circumstances of everything but leave the big portion of the year where um, you know I think we would have still had training in, in Utah but the game opportunity would be very limited um, and so a lot of the players that are playing in America have looked to to try and kind of find a loan opportunity and, and this was one that came up for me that I felt best fitted you know, the needs, it, it took me back closer to home. Um, it's a good club in the women's game and took me to the top league in England. So I felt it was the right filler for the next six months. Um, yeah. And then it's back to Utah for another two years. So it's a temporary move to get some games, basically, in the midst of a chaotic situation. Yeah, yeah. It's it's obviously been a difficult time and it's been challenging to different, different well, everyone really, um, but I think different certainly footballers have had different experiences throughout and I probably was one of the lucky ones that got back to, to playing sooner than a lot of others did but um, obviously that was then cut short so yeah I'm very, very glad that there's another opportunity that means some competitive football ahead for the rest of the year How good are Birmingham? Um, hopefully hopefully we can I think do a, a really good job this year I think there's been a lot of changes um, new managers only came in two, three weeks ago and, and she's kind of had to rebuild the team um, a little bit and I think probably there's a big responsibility on certainly some of the senior players that have come in to bring some stability so I, I think it'll be a challenge because I think as I say a, a lot of the teams have grown and 
and signed a, a number of players from certainly the US League on a loan basis that are some of the top players in the world. I think, you know, Man City have made some good additions um, along with some other clubs the likes of West Ham have as well. And so um, I think it'll be tough for us, but equally, I think we have a good a good core, a good group of young girls as well who are very, very determined to sort of prove what we're worth. So um, it should be an exciting few months. Rachel, it's Ali here. Do you know, you're not far from the Cotswolds. I spent about 15 years near Birmingham and it's a lovely part of the world if you haven't spent much time there already. Uh, well, I'm, I would love some recommendations for coffee and food, so please send them my way. <laughs> I will do, I will do. Um, you've, of course, got the experience of playing football in America where the women's game is huge. How does that compare to the UK and what could we be doing more to promote the women's game here in Scotland, do you think? Um, yeah, it's a bit of a million-dollar question. Um, I, I think one of the, the biggest things is, is why it's been so successful in the US is because it's a totally accepted sport and I I still feel like back here we're still always so determined to compare it to the men's game and that's always just what we're still continually kind of plagued with whenever you see anything posted online about it it's just oh it's not as good as the men's or it's not you know there's just always like a a response like that and I think Mm -hmm. we can just judge it for its own entity it doesn't need to be a comparison you know it's like saying if that was the case in football, you know, no one would support most teams because everyone would just be Barcelona fans or Bayern Munich fans or all, you know, like, yeah. sport doesn't have value just because it's the best quality of that particular product. And so I think that's one thing the US really does so well is women's football has always been something that they've been successful in. And because of that, they have a long history of it, of just seeing it for, for being sport and being something that people love to enjoy and watch. Rachel, it's Stephen Cregan here. Now, I don't want to retire you too soon, but when you look at the investment in women's football and the opportunities opening up for coaches and coaching opportunities in women's football, does your mind start to drift towards that and, and, and think by staying in the game and getting involved in the coaching side of it? Um, possibly, yeah. Um, I have already done uh, my B licence through the national team support and I know that they are, are certainly helping other players to go further with that and that's something that I definitely would consider um, it's probably well yeah I'm not quite there yet but yeah. it is something I, I, I do enjoy I enjoy sort of the tactical side of the game so I, I definitely would be interested in, in something like that and I think it's really good that as you say that it's now becoming something that is seen as as something that's you know something you would look forward to I think in the past it's perhaps been something people have fallen back on if they maybe didn't know what else to do but it's now the career opportunities and the experiences that that people can go and have in the women's game is just growing and that's a big positive and something we have to keep pushing That's that's outrageous Craigs that you should be suggesting retirement at this stage for for (laughs) Rachel who's at the peak of her career and you're closing in I mean you've got 116 caps Rachel would that be right? Yeah, that's got to be close to the mark. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're 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 closing in rapidly on Gemma Face two hundred and whatever it is. You're, <laughs> you're not far away I now. Think I might. I think I might let Gemma have that title. I don't know. If, oh, don't come know on. Got that in the leg. <laughs> but you'll you'll play for a few years yet, won't you? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel like I'm ready to stop. I, I actually do think you know the last two three years have been um, some of my most enjoyable, and I've felt probably maybe the best I have. Um, ever as a professional so um, that's promising but yeah I think you need to be smart you need to always be mindful that as you 
hit the 30 mark and beyond that um you know at any point your career can be cut short or it is good to have those fallbacks which I think you know as somebody who previously came from an accounting background I'm fairly risk averse so I think I'm fairly well equipped although I do know that that'll be a hard process to kind of work through when the time comes. So that was your accountancy background that came in there when you confirmed that it was 116. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Rachel is it something you know Ali touched on it there about promoting the game in Scotland for young girls you know they aspire to be certain people they want role models do you see yourself as that role model captain of the national team 116 caps you know you went outside your comfort zone went to America you're back playing for Birmingham that must be a great role model for the young girls yeah I think that is something that I pride myself on and I know I say that along with a lot of the other Scotland girls too um as you say, I think the the World Cup and the Euros were something that really, for a lot of us, was um, was an emotional moment because I think it was probably the first time that that kind of sensation and feeling was really just kind of quantified and confirmed because everybody was talking about it. And I think that made a lot of players feel proud and just, yeah, you have to be a role model. You have to now understand that the younger kids do see being a professional footballer is an opportunity as a girl and a boy. Um, and so that's something that I think is a privilege and something that a lot of us take really, really seriously. Rachel, who do you think was sort of your role model when you were younger? I mean, what gave you the love for football? Was it a family member or were you just happened to be good at the sport? Um, I, a bit of a combination, I think. Um, sort of a bit of history in my family. My great-grandfather played for Aberdeen in long before I was born, um, obviously. But um, that kind of runs in the family. And as such, you know, my family are all Aberdeen fans. I would go with my mum to the games. She sells a season ticket. Um, my dad would play. So if I wasn't at Aberdeen games, he would just drag me along. I think it's just always been something that I've enjoyed doing. And it was part of the family kind of weekend rituals. And to me, it wasn't something that was, at that time identified as being male or female was just something I loved doing and I either went with my mum to watch or went with my dad and kicked the ball around and it was it was just always a big part of my life and something that kind of stayed that way and then now I've somehow managed to make it into a career it's brilliant do you keep do you keep tabs Rachel on the on the Aberdeen the men's team how they're how they're doing obviously they, they got off to a really disrupted uh, start we'll not go into all that again but they've nine, nine, <laughs> yeah. Nine, 19 days without a game but they've won now on four on the bounce including Easter Road on Sunday um, I was there they were, they were they were really impressive are you able to keep tabs on them and, and is, is following is following the Dons part of your life? Yeah yeah it's a big part um, like I say my mum still has a season ticket and um, she'll be I've, watching I've Rob on Red TV <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, I've I've got good relations with with the club, and whenever I'm home and whenever I can, I'm I'm always at the games, and um, yeah, it, it's something that I'm passionate about. And as you say, they're doing really well now, so I enjoy that as much as I can. I think from my days with Glasgow City, I spent a lot of a lot of weekends where I was, I was probably subject to a little bit of banter, shall we say, with the girls who maybe supported certain Glasgow teams. So <laughs> um, I take the glory when I can. And how how is women's football progressing in Aberdeen? Um, yeah, it, I'd say positively. Um, I think it was overdue that Aberdeen took some responsibility over the women's team, and um, I've had conversations with Dave Cormack about his 
kind of visions for that. And I think it's something that will hopefully continue to grow. And right now, the women's team are, aren't in the top division. I think that needs to be number one priority. Um, and, and that will certainly, their chances of that will definitely be helped with the backing of the club. So um was definitely pleased to see that when it first started. I think probably two years ago was the the first injection of, of support. And, and hopefully that continues. And I guess he's got the the American experience that you have as well. How the how the sport is showcased in the states, and maybe bringing a little bit of that over here. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, I think it, it helps having had that experience. It certainly opened my eyes um, to that side of just helping kind of accelerate the growth of the game, um, and basically just make ultimately you just need to make it a marketable product in however way you feel is most appropriate to do that you know how do you sell tickets how do you sell match shirts all these different ways that these business experts look to make the most of their club and and the women's program within that needs to be incorporated and there's definitely ways to do that and so i i think probably his experience in america definitely highlighted that at least and when i spoke to him yeah he's, he's very passionate about making it the right club and having it within the values of the men's team and and then and just building it as one and i think that's really really important do you worry about momentum being lost um, behind women's football in this country just because of what's happening at the moment and the um, the chaos that's going on? Obviously, the here. I mean, I was going to mention there that the the, the qualifiers, the Cyprus Portugal qualifiers, obviously have been postponed from September to February. So I think next next games are October. Everything's all over the shop at the moment. And, and does that does that particularly harm the women's game just because of the progress, the spectacular progress it was making before all this? Yeah, I, again, I don't think it needs to because I think all the things that we would continue that momentum are, are in a lot of cases, a, a choice by the top organisations to make sure that the investment and the marketing, the advertising, um, and the promotion of these games is still is still there because the fan base, people interested in the games, won't disappear, but they definitely will disappear if you don't tell them it's happening. And I think that's basically our, our biggest priority as players is to keep driving um, those who can to make sure that those things are still done and I don't think it needs to suffer um, and I really hope that it doesn't. I think it it could actually benefit and it's obviously disappointing that the September games are cancelled but I also think at the same time that was an important decision because I don't think we perhaps as a national team would have been in our best would have had our best preparation for those games and and ultimately, I think these next couple of games will be really, really tough. So we want to give ourselves the best chance. We don't want to jeopardise qualifying because I think we have a really good chance to qualify. And if we do that again, then that hopefully will sustain that momentum and keep it going in the right direction. Yeah, Rachel, you've had the experience of being at a Euros, at a World Cup. It's now time for the men's team to qualify, isn't it? It's been far too long for the Scottish national team not to be at a major championship. So looking across at Steve Clark's squad, you must have your fingers crossed that they can replicate what you've done. Yeah, absolutely. I think as a massive Scotland fan, you just are so hopeful that they can do it. And I think now you look at the quality of players they have and, and you know the games that those those players are playing week in, week out for their club teams. We have a really, really good chance I think to get there and obviously qualifying can be extremely tough now but I, I would fancy us to have a chance against anyone 
and I think that's something that's exciting as a fan. I think it's been difficult to maybe say confidently in the past, but I think now we're, we've rebuilt some of that and some of that hope, and um, it would be it would be amazing for us to get there. It was a great weekend, wasn't it, for Erin Cuthbert scoring that late goal as uh, Chelsea won the Women's Community Shield at the weekend. Uh, again, great profile for the for the Scotland women's team. Yeah, Erin's um, doing fantastically well. I think you look at the depth that Chelsea have. Um, she's had an excellent 18 months where, you know, when you, you listen to her speak about it, she knew things would be would be tough for her and she wasn't sure she was going to play. And, and now she's playing alongside and, and getting opportunities with some of the some of the best players in the world. And that's a credit to her. And, and obviously she, she scored at Wembley. And I think um, I saw her post about how that, that adds to her, her hand in one as well. And so, yeah, it, it's great for her. I think the more... Scottish players we can have in these successful winning environments then the more it's just going to keep benefiting the national team I guess selfishly and um, it's really pleasing to see her do really well and she's a great person for even just the group you know she's someone who's who's got the light hearted jokiness when it's the right time but equally you know you can see her change games and I think obviously that goal that she scored at the weekend killed that game and, and got them the trophy so um, yeah I hope she enjoyed that I like what you said, Rachel, about the, the fun jokiness side. I saw her post on Twitter about trying to do a few more push-ups to be able to lift that shield. That was quite funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she almost drops it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's typical there. A couple of things I want to ask you, Rachel, before you go. Firstly, uh, we'll tell you about all the good coffee shops in the Birmingham area if you tell us about Utah. Okay, deal. Right, well... What do you want to know, though? Tell her what you want to know, the whole country in general. What are the three best things about Utah? Um, Is it Utah or Utah? I've gone... I I say Utah, but my dad says Utah. (laughs) My friend's from Utah, so I'd say Utah. It must be an older generational thing. It's (laughs) Ah, okay, Rob's getting on a bit, Rachel. Exactly. I will say it's sunny every day in summer, pretty much, which when you come from Scotland, that's a very nice luxury. Yeah, that's true. Um, and listen, uh, Leanne Crichton, your partner in crime, uh, you do a podcast with, with Leanne, don't you? Um, she's on on uh, Thursday night with us. So have you got any wind-up potential, anything we could throw at her Thursday that uh, that she might not be ready for? Oh, I couldn't possibly. We used to live together, so we probably have too much on each other. So if I throw the first, <laughs> ah. I throw the first dart, then it could come back to haunt me. Uh, that, that sounds like a truce to me. <laughs> It may well be. Rachel, good to hear from you. Good to have you on the show. Thanks a lot. All the best with Birmingham. That's Rachel Corsi, the Scotland women's captain on the Go Radio Football Show. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. Thanks, Nancy. Any developments between now and seven? Yeah, we'll bring them to you. Otherwise, the news at seven here on Glasgow Zone Go Radio. Uh, half an hour or so of football chat How is it flying by so quickly? I know, it does, doesn't it? We're almost inside the, the final half hour of the show for a Tuesday night uh, Reminder that uh, tomorrow we've got Barry Ferguson with us in the studio uh, Leanne Crichton, Rachel Corsi's partner in crime uh, is with us on Thursday uh, Cy Ferry returns on Friday Paul Cooney as well and as ever that number uh, to get in touch with us uh, Let's be hearing from you in the next 30 minutes 0808 17 17 700 text go on your message to 874 74 on the socials 
at Go Football Show. We're in the international break. Scotland, Israel on Friday, and then it's the Czech Republic on Monday. And uh, going into the international break, Rangers are at the top of the Scottish Premiership in a good place, uh, Stephen, and uh, not conceding goals, which you will appreciate very mm. much, I would imagine. I think that's a huge plus because Stephen Gerrard will look at the attacking threat that he has and Ryan Kent and Yanis Hadji, Kamar Roof at 10. You know, there's more than enough there to get goals. So if you can shut up shop at the back and you have that solid base to build from, I think the continuity has been there for a couple of years with the likes of Conor Golson, James Tavernier, Borna Barisic, Philip Hollander can come in, uh, Balogun. So there's certainly plenty of competition for places. And ultimately, if they want to win titles and they want to progress a strong defensive record, a strong defensive organisation, because sometimes managers come in and they you know, they think so much about the attacking threat and how they can have their patterns going forward and how they can break the opposition down and they switch off and forget about the important bit of keeping the back door shut. So they seem to have got that balance right. And what I like about Rangers this year is there's not a lot of noise coming from their camp, Rob. Over the past couple of seasons, there's been a lot of stories coming out about you know, what they're going to do and how they're going to win the title and how they're going to beat this. They've kept their noses clean so far for me. They've kept the noise down a little bit. They're focusing on their football. Plus, you have to say, they haven't had that busy a start to the season. You know, traditionally, Rangers normally go in in the early stages of the Europa League and they've played lots and lots of games and the players are getting overrun with games. So they seem to be in a good place, keeping their nose clean. Um, and you're right, having that defensive base to build from certainly gives them a big platform. But the question marks still remain up front. I suppose what will happen with Alfredo Morelos? Will he stay? Will he go? When will he go? How much will Rangers get from him? How good are Cedric Eaton and uh, Kemar Roof? Are they going to replace Morelos for goals? Well, time will tell, no doubt about it. But you know, certainly on on first viewings of Kemar Roof, I like his physicality. I like his his, his agility, his his pace to run in behind. You know, he wants to fight and scrap for the ball. I don't think that bothers him. Sometimes you bring players in, it takes him a while to adapt. So because he's been in the British game before, I think it suits him. It doesn't bother him at all. But long term, you know, goals and the goal return off of Alfredo Morelos certainly will be, you know, under huge scrutiny. So it's up to it, ten. It's up to Roof. It's up to Ryan Kent to get involved. It's up to Hadji who's getting goals. But you know, the proof will be in the pudding. Certainly will. Some uh, worrying news we heard uh, on the news there, on the breaking news uh, about local lockdown in Glasgow. Some uh, encouraging news. We need some good news, don't we, on the football front. That RB Leipzig have become the first Bundesliga club uh, to be given the go-ahead in Germany to allow fans into their stadium for next month's season opener. So that is uh, encouraging indeed. The time is exactly... Six, I don't think I've ever done that before. <laughs> 6.30 on the Go Radio Football Show. <laughs> That was a moment. Um, <laughs> let's speak to former Celtic defender Ramon Vega. Ramon, how are you? Very good, how are you? Very well, nice to hear from you. Um, fond memories of Scottish football, Ramon? Always. The best. No yeah. doubt. Always. What? What Very good. You know, when you win the treble, it's not something you can't forget easily, <laughs> to be honest with you. you know? Espe so, especially when you do it in six months. Bloody hell, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was, inc that was inc tell, tell me how you came to be, am I right in thinking that Celtic tried to sign you the season before, then you came on, on loan for half the season, and, and then, of course, so successful had you been that they tried to keep you there after, but, but you were on the move again. Mm. Well, no, well, first of all, 
we heard about something in the summer, but I'm not sure it was quite a serious approach at the time uh, when I was at Spurs, you know. But then more towards the, the winter transfer period, then um, it was more serious about it. And, and then we met Martin O'Neill in London, and uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, he, he done to the then then and then because I liked it to go to Glasgow to Celtic at the time it was an exciting time as well and and if I look back now uh, there's no doubt I done the, the right decision at the time you know so yeah my contract was running out anyway the summer so I won't call it was a loan because it was running out my contract in the summer so it was out running out of the contract with Spurs so for for Celtic it was a great six months as well. Obviously, to see to try me out at that six months, see how it works. Obviously, if you look back now, it worked very well. And uh, yeah, but at the same time, I wanted to stay longer. So um, that didn't happen. How would you describe the feeling of playing for Celtic and playing for them as well in such a special season? Well, I, let me let me let me go back. You know, when I was playing for Spurs, of course, we played Premier League, we played for us against Arsenal, big derbies and everything. And it's always a big, exciting kind of moment as well. You know, when I heard about Celtic Rangers, the derbies, uh, when I was at London at Spurs, you know, that's something that was exciting as well. But something talking about it, and something uh, you know, you know, experience yourself life is a completely different uh, ball game. You know. When I came up to Celtic Park, uh, it was just off the clock. One of the best stadiums to play. The fans were just absolutely fantastic, and just that, just that, really, fall, I fell in love with Celtic at that time. And I think this is the reason why, also, in a way, the whole team at the time was a great season. We, we connected straight away, uh, and and I connected straight away with the fans as well in, in the club as well. And I had, to, and I had some fantastic memories. I can't really repeat myself again it's a really really great place to play you know Raymond is there it's Ali here is there one sort of favourite memory you have from playing from Celtic is there one that you're just thinking you know what everyone's going to expect it to be this but it was actually when I did this or when this happened one of my favourite games at Celtic I think my first game to be honest with you against Aberdeen uh, I was like not expected to start because oh, I think I landed on Friday uh, on the transfer from Spurs from London, and I thought, well, come on, I didn't ever, ever trained once with with the team, so I wasn't expected to try, uh, to play straight away from the start on Saturday. And on Saturday, on Saturday, on, uh, when I went to the hotel to meet the first time the uh, all the team, I only actually met them an hour before the. The kickoffs. Let's be honest, you know. I never met them before. I never trained with them, you know. And I thought, okay, let's, you know, I'm gonna watch the game. This guy, I'm gonna see how they're playing and everything. And then suddenly, Martin O'Leary, I'm in the starting out uh, eleven. And I said, what? <laughs> I'm already going into the cold water in front of sixty thousand Celtic fans, and then scoring two goals straight away uh, in that game. For me, I think this is like, uh, yeah. A dream come through, and it was a great impact to to this my Celtic uh, uh, six months. You know, did you know everybody's names at that stage? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, with you, yes, few ones, you know, like Chris Sutton guys and everything, you know, but uh, the English guys, but uh, some other ones, yeah. First of all, I need to get get used to it with the whole Glaswegian accent, you know. To be honest, yeah, well, exactly. Uh, <laughs> that was like uh, he is the ball. Kind of 
<laughs> so that was a little difficult kind of to start with. But you know what? I think within minutes starting the game, football is an international language and everybody understood straight away. That was the nice thing. It was a straight click into it, you know. And of course, scoring for them, it was a great... Um, um, things to do, you know, so uh, great impact in the first game against Celtic. Well, you just mentioned his name there, uh, Chris Sutton. He's a he's a colleague of mine. Work I work on some media work with him, Ramon. What is or what was Chris Sutton like in the dressing room? Because certainly on the TV and on the radio, he can be quite frustrating, shall we say? Yeah, I think Chris Sutton was like, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was uh, at the dressing room the one entertainer, let's call it that, who was taking mickey for each other, you know, uh, including myself, of course, you know. But the, the good thing about it, I only remember once, you know, uh, I had my Scottish players with me, and he said, listen, Ramon, don't worry about that. The foreigner is Chris Sutton because he's English. <laughs> 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 yeah. So I, you love that. Okay. I'm, I'm, in a good, I'm in a good team now, yeah, good squad, so I'm quite uh, happy to be part of that. So, yeah, but Chris Sutton was great funny always uh, at, the, at the dressing room. And it was good. We had some great panda, pandas. But on, on the pitch, we were professional. And, and and I think the the click between all of us was great, you know. And did he put hit back possibly about your modelling by any chance? Because you were big on the catwalk yeah. at that stage, weren't you? Yeah, all the time, <laughs> all the time, every day at the dressing room, taking it at Mimiki, hanging up the picture at the dressing room, you know. Uh, and uh, and uh, yeah. What, what can you say, you know? But then afterwards, on the training ground, I'll, I'll give it back as a centre-half, you know, when I was marking him. Yes, I like that. I like that, Ramon. That's what it's all about. I like that tackle from behind. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no doubt. No comments. No. Not, not too much talking straight to the tackle. Thanks. That's it. <laughs> Did your modelling career flourish? Yeah, massively. <laughs> <laughs> Rob's envious. He's been practising the well, model walk around the studio. Yeah, exactly. You should see him. I'll tell you what, I still, I still, I still can't walk today. How, how they teach me how to do the hand walking things, you know. But I think it was just pretty much in my, in that case, it was a little bit more kind of a, yeah, joke scenario and, and just try out. Was I'm not taking it seriously at the time? But you know, it was an experience, and 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 to be honest, you, are, you know, I'm not regretted at all. It was a great experience to have, you know. Interesting. You can do it only when you're young. To be honest, you, I won't do that when I'm now. So you know. <laughs> Uh, Ramon, I'm interested to get your thoughts on a, on a couple of uh, Swiss players uh, uh, in yeah. Scotland at the moment. Uh, Cedric, yeah. Cedric, I'm going to check his pronunciation of his second name. With it. Is it Eaton? Eaton. Eaton Ce- yes. Yeah, Cedric Eaton. Uh, how good is he? Because we, we've only seen flashes so far. He's uh, a good player, to be honest with you. I think uh, the only problem he has not much played as such. Though, I mean, if you're not playing much, obviously... You need to, to have a full, at least three months of good playing every week in, week out to see his potential, you know, and acclimatise. You know, again, the only problem is, is he going to acclimatise with the team he's playing at the moment or not, you know? And I think uh, if, he's, if he's doing that, then he would definitely be a quality player. I'll be an Ayeti at Celtic. Well, I, I again, a good striker. Uh, he was doing very well when he was playing in Switzerland, no doubt. He was scoring quite a lot of goals, you know. West Ham, he didn't really have to, the chance or really to, to, to play quite a lot. So that's a little bit of a handicap because he didn't play as much at West Ham. But now, I think we saw him a few times uh, playing. I think he scored the other night uh, 
uh, I, I think it's first goal, to be honest with you. It's the second goal, to be honest with you, in this case, you know. So I think he'd be definitely a good scorer. There's no doubt. And I think if Neil Lerner loses him at the right place, in the right time, uh, uh, he would be a good added value as a good striker. He's yeah, he's come off. Well, he's come off. He's come off the bench in the last couple of games and scored in in both of them, Ramon. But um, Neil Lennon's been under a fair bit of pressure here. I don't know how close tabs you keep on uh, Scottish football and, and Celtic, but um, he, he's not. He's not started started him yet. A yeti. Um, because he feels he, he's not match sharp, and and uh, maybe that's understandable because he played so little football at West Ham. Correct. Mm-hmm. No, it's correct. You know, is correct because as I say, at West Ham he didn't actually really play as much. You know, it's just training with the first team or maybe maybe sometimes with the under twenty three or some of that second team. That's not really the match fit you need to have at Celtic. You know, if you want to be a top striker, Celtic uh, like he's supposed to be coming into it. You know. He's the one you need to play 90 minutes, so I think he doesn't want to risk him uh, straight away. Maybe he get injured straight away, you know. So he might just playing 40 minutes, 60 minutes, and, and go on until he can play the full game, you know. By saying that, already just in the small uh, minutes he played, he already either scores as well and gets in, in, into uh, to the game, you know. I watched actually, unfortunately, the game Celtic and Ferenc Varos, oh. uh, Hungarian. Yeah. Uh, dreadful game, to be honest, you. Yeah. I have to be honest. It was a dreadful goal from both teams. It's not like just Celtic, both teams, you know, in terms of, of, of playing football, you know. But I think Celtic, without a doubt, at home, uh, it could have beat that kind of thing as far as. But he uh, was, uh, yeah, I was hoping more out of Celtic, to be honest, you. You, you've gotten yourselves involved in some really interesting things um, since you stopped playing Ramon the, the, am I right in thinking you fronted up a Swiss investment group who tried to buy Portsmouth at one stage uh, yeah that was about 10 years ago now yes absolutely yeah but at the end of the day you know, there was so deep debt in, in, in that club there was pretty much uh, not even worth it to go involved into it because it was too, too much debt into it and I think even today I think the start is still paying back that, that 10, 15 years ago. So, so it's a, it, it was a, uh, well, in a way, it was that time a potential opportunity. But if it's so much that you have to take over, then I think it's not the wise uh, to manage a good football club, you know. And at one point, you fancied uh, replacing Seth Blatter, didn't you, as FIFA president? Mm, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And where did that go? Well, obviously, I'm on the phone with you. I'm not in Zurich. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so uh, by the same time, Ocean, I think that organisation, I think even today, if we if we look into it, it still has some major problems with uh, on the ethical point of view and the moral point of view and integrity, you know. Yes, they're saying a lot of changes happen, but in my opinion, I think... Uh, uh, not much has uh, changed within the organisation point of view. And I think at a time when um, the options was there or potential support I had as well, you know, uh, it's not something I just wake up in the morning and say, yes, I want to do it, you know. It's, I think it was also been considered by other parties and associations, federations around the globe, you know, and you you're potentially a, a, a good candidate to be involved, you know, especially I was 20 years within the finance world, but also the football side, merging finance and football within today is quite uh, uh, important because today football is a business and you have to see it also from the football side 
uh, but you also have to see from the business side. And I think you have the two combination uh, to bring on the table. Uh, it was something that they were looking into it, you know. And, and from our point of view, when you have such a support for certain association, you have to take it seriously. And that's the reason why I went for it. Otherwise, I don't think, if you're honest, you, uh, I, would, I would be thinking to do it, you know. But saying that, uh, looking back, I don't regret it at all because I had a fantastic uh, experience doing it and seeing how the sports politics actually behind the scene uh, works, you know. But that's for another yeah. conversation. But that's yeah. more interesting, let's call it like that, you know. Well, the Celtic fans will have loved uh, hearing you after all this time. And uh, it's been great to have you on this football show as well, Ramon. All the best to you and uh, good luck. Thank you very much. And uh, good luck to Celtic, of course. Gonna, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, when everybody can go to the stadium, I'm coming up to Glasgow to see these guys, you know. Excellent. We'll look forward, to, we'll look forward to seeing you when you come back to Glasgow. And after the Here's break, Evan. we're going to hear from Laurie in Deniston. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. That's Ali Defoy, Rob McLean and Stephen Cragen on the Go Radio Football Show for a Tuesday. We're into the last 15 minutes. Let's hear from Laurie in Deniston. Hi, Laurie. Good evening. How are you? Uh, guys, I would like to uh, make a comment. Firstly, I'm enjoying the show. I'm a first-time caller to this particular programme. Although I am a veteran of many hey. opponents over the years. Okay, but you're making your debut uh, on this one. Here's my point, but I particularly enjoy the chemistry uh, between the panellists. So it's a smashing programme, and I thoroughly enjoy it. We all hate hate each other privately, but we just make (laughs) the chemistry... Speak for yourself, me and Craig's getting fine. We just make the chemistry work on air. Anyway, Laurie, what would you like? Here's my point, guys. I'll try and summarise it as uh, quickly as I can. I'm a Celtic fan. I do think that Celtic will retain the title... For this reason, uh, Celtic and Rangers will have centre forwards, of course, who will score 20 plus goals. That's the nature of the beast. Uh, the title, however, will be won or lost by the supporting cast. Uh, and whether Celtic and Rangers adopt four or five men in midfield, stroke wide areas, here are the choices. Firstly, I'll exclude Ross Jack and Scott Brown because they're anchor men and their main duties are defensive. You can't expect either of them to contribute many goals. So the remaining quintets for Rangers are Haji, Aribo, Kent, Kamara and Davis. For Celtic, El Yunusi, McGregor, Turnbull, Christie and Forrest. I would suggest to the panel that of those quintets, Celtic will score decidedly more goals than Rangers during the course of the season. And I am absolutely confident that Celtic will retain the title. The panel's thoughts. Can I just say, first off, Laurie, your voice is phenomenal. Are you like a master of ceremonies or something? Uh, no, <laughs> but thank you for the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Ali, I think Ali's just repaying the compliment you paid us. But on your point, uh, do you know what? Based on previous evidence, that Celtic midfield and Celtic wide players have scored more goals in the past, no doubt about it. When you look at the likes of Steve Davis uh, and, and Joe Rebo and Scott Arfield, will chip in with a few goals. But when you look at El Yunusi, you look at Callum McGregor, you look at Ryan Christie they've and, and James Forrest, they've continually hit double figures for Celtic. So as much as Rangers can be organised at the back and they can have uh, Eten and they can have Roof and they can have Morelos, you're spot on. It's when the games are tough and the games are tight, the games are compact, 
do you have someone else in your team who can pop up with a crucial goal to get you that 1-0 victory or to get that 2-1 win when you really need it so based on evidence of the past couple of seasons Celtic's midfield players and support acts have been uh, more beneficial for them winning games the responsibility now is up to Steven Gerrard and his players to try and match that and that's what could be a key point or certainly one of the key points in the battle for winning the title you're spot on Thank you Stephen You happy with that answer Laurie yeah? Yeah absolutely I think that Stephen has vindicated my point of view I I just can't see if you look at the goals and assists for last season I realise we're into a different season now but Rangers really haven't made any additions uh, to that quintet uh, and until they do uh, I think that I'll make two points here very briefly I think that Celtic will win the league by a minimum of 10 points and I think that Stephen Gerrard will be ensconced in the departure lounge at Glasgow Airport, waiting for a plane to John Lennon, Liverpool, uh, probably January or February. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Thanks, Laurie. very much. Thanks, thanks, Laurie. Uh, you made your points yep. uh, very forcibly there. Thanks to you for the call. Next up, Kian, a season ticket holder with Celtic. Hi, Kian. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thank you. What would you like to say? Uh, I was just wondering, he asked you, uh, do you think that after the past couple of games, obviously the Ferry Shavros game, the Muddle game and the Dundee game, if Neil Lennon has to play a 3-5-2 formation? Yeah, funnily enough, we were speaking about that earlier on in the show and reflecting on how well that worked, Craggs, um, yeah. in the second half of last season. Yeah, there's no doubt that that was the, the difference between the sides after the break in January was Neil Lennon had tinkered with the formation. Clearly, they'd worked on it when they were in Dubai. They came back and hit the ground running. Everything seemed to gel. You know, we spoke about Edward and about Forrest. You know, the wing... Ba- uh, sorry, Edward and Griffiths. The wing-backs of Forrest. I think the back three of Simunovic uh, and uh, Ayer and Julian really seemed to work well. So that's why the addition off uh, Sheehan Duffy certainly gives Neil Lennon that option to do that because Celtic will dominate the ball certainly in, in Scotland you know do you need a back four can your wide players be ones that, that force opposition back so listen sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but I think certainly there's mileage in it for Neil Lennon um, you know there has been a lot of negativity over the past week or so with regards to that so I think Neil will be glad of the international break where he can clear his head he can get his thoughts back together he's got to also hope that his players come back from international duty you know, fully refreshed and fit, ready to go. So I would have no doubt that Neil Lennon will look to play a three-five-two in the near future with Shane Duffy coming in. So, you know, that's why he's you know such an important signing. How deflated were you, Kian, after that European result? Uh it was exactly like the close game for last season. So it was. It was just. I I was I actually felt more apathy after the Kilmarnock game before the obvious uh, break uh, due to. They're breaking our COVID uh, legislation uh, by Bali. But I, it was just something, it's grown accustomed to it now. After the AEK closing, obviously, and now the Ferdinand Shavros game. So, do you agree with what Stephen's saying that the break maybe comes at a good time for Celtic just to regroup, reorganise, and, and bounce back? I definitely. Because hopefully we'll have Edward fit, hopefully we'll have Albina Jetty fit. Uh, who's if you obviously if you look past his year at West Ham, he scored I think it was 14 games and 26 uh, appearances for Basel in the Swiss Super League, which is obviously uh, good. Uh, played along with Mohamed El there, yeah. so I think that if we can get him uh, back fit, match fit, he scored two goals and two uh, 
uh, SPFL games. Mm-hmm. I think him alongside Edward, who scored 20 goals and 26 appearances, Oof. I think it was. Uh, last you've, got, you've got the stats, haven't you? I definitely. <laughs> I could I could do with you alongside me with your with your stats. But I think you're spot on when you say that, Kian, is the fact that Ayeti and Edward look like they can have a partnership because you know I'd said earlier on that Edward wants to come off and play in those little pockets of space. He likes facing defenders up. He also likes to you know be a supplier as opposed to just a goal scorer. And Ayeti wants to be the one that plays in the shoulder, wants to back in against defenders. So I think the balance of those two players would certainly suit if Neil Lennon wanted to revert back to the three five two. Uh, definitely Kian thanks for your call thanks very Thank much you. cheers Good man. Bye. all the best and one of the players we've just been speaking about in a Celtic context let's talk to him and hear from him in a Scotland context James Forrest part of the squad of course for that Scotland-Israel game Friday night and uh, don't confuse the playoffs to come in October that game against Israel in October of course with a chance of getting to the European Championship final it's all about these qualifiers immediately so uh, don't get mixed up says James Forrest I don't think so I think uh, obviously this is a new campaign that we want to start this off with, with a good result so uh, no I, th- I think the staff will, will make it clear it's uh, we've, got, we've got two big games coming up here and, and obviously the, the semi-final game will, will take care of itself once we get around to that next month and of course one of his old teammates uh, will be involved with him on Friday night hopefully uh, Kieran Tierney uh, who's already got two winners medals at Arsenal and looking to just take that winning habit into the international scene Yeah for sure I would say the winning mentality is a lot in football the manager wants to bring that he wanted to bring it to Arsenal because they'd obviously been going through a spell where the fans weren't happy the club weren't happy and the players weren't happy weren't achieving what we wanted to achieve and him coming in and knowing what the club was about and knowing that the club needs success it needs trophies it needs to be high up in the league as well is, is brilliant for me learning there hopefully bringing a bit of that to here is, is going to benefit everyone as well Talking 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 about the job that uh, Mikel Arteta has done at Arsenal, of course. Uh, Stevie Clark is in charge uh, for the Friday night game against Israel. It's just great to have Kieran Tierney back on board. The f- level of football cracks he's been playing at yeah. club level. I think he will make that £25 million fee look like a, a snip. You know, the fact that he's doing ever so well. You know, it's nice to see Mar- uh, Mikel Arteta, of course, his involvement with the Scottish Football with Rangers will yeah. be well known. But he really has galvanised that club. Arsenal were a club who were completely going in the wrong direction. Players were, you know, weren't playing for the jersey, weren't playing for the badge. It, it, there didn't seem to be any connection. And suddenly, within a short space of time, you know, sometimes when you work with good coaches and experienced coaches, you have to try and take something from them. The fact that he worked with Pep Guardiola, he has that mentality. He seems very driven in what he wants to do. And Kieran Tierney, you know, is part of that process. And he'll be just thinking, this is glorious. You know, winning the FA Cup, winning the Community Shield, it's a really good time for Arsenal. But likewise, you hope that Kieran Tierney can flip that into a Scotland form. Will he play right back? Will he play left back? Will he play left centre half? I think as long as he plays, he brings that energy and that quality. And that's what Scotland needs. I put Barry Ferguson in a tailspin last Friday when I asked him to pick a Scotland team. He, he was <laughs> scribbling frantically. I'm not going to throw that at you with two minutes to go on the show. But what I'm going to ask you is how Scotland are going to line up defensively. How does that go? Well, it was interesting. Steve Clark said today that he will find a formation that suits players. He says he he says that's the, the joys of being a Scotland manager. He was very coy when he was asked about Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson. I think both will play. I've absolutely no idea where. I would imagine that... I'm sending no idea where and then I'm going to give you an answer. <laughs> I think he might play right back. I really do because I don't think playing him 
as a left centre half and a back four suits him there's better players in that position but Scotland need Kieran Tierney in the team they need Andy Robertson in the team so I think Kieran Tierney will play right back and Andy Robertson left back yeah because the problem with the back three is that suddenly you've both of them out of position don't you yeah and you want to get the best out of them and certainly Andy Robertson is one of the best left backs in the world closely followed by Kieran Tierney I would imagine somewhere along the line but he's played right back before and it hasn't bothered him so I would expect he'll play there again Stephen, good to have you on the show as usual. And that's about it from us. Uh, time has beaten us yet again. Chris Iwilumo was our guest earlier. Rachel Corsi, Ramon Vega as well. Um, it has been wide and varied and it's been hugely entertaining. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. And hopefully you'll be back for more tomorrow night. It's 5 till 7, Monday to Friday on the Go Radio Football Show. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go.